Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to For Fox Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and my co-host is Caterpillar. For fuck's sake, Ellen. I said no insects. Especially not with terrible puns. Oh, whatever. You larva them. Oh, my Ellen. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll drop it, but you butterfly into the Phoenix flashback. For fuck's sake. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> <sighs> Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 28, Snape's Worst Memory, and the somewhat corresponding film scenes. Nothing piques a hormonal teenage boy's interest like the word mating. Umbridge spikes Harry's tea with all the subtlety of a frat boy with a handful of roofies. The twins start taking their revenge and make bank at the same time. Nazi von Douchebag II serves up some world-class second-hand cringe. Ron has mathing issues, but that's nothing new. Filch's BDSM boner makes another appearance when discussing the new punishments to be implemented. And I'm not saying that Hermione approves of the mayhem caused by Fred and George, but she totally approves of the mayhem caused by Fred and George. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. During episode 168, How's Your Tea?, our Potter pondering was, what are your thoughts on Hermione's jinxed parchment? Horrible trick or brilliant idea? G'day, guys. It's Jackson here with my Potter pondering. Hermione's jinx on the parchment. Horrible trick or genius? It was both. It was both. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. I mean, it was horrible that a girl got scarred for so long with cystic acne, spelling out sneak on her face. But then again, it was also deserved for her betraying the DA. And that was a pretty nice bit of magic. So... It was both. Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. How do I feel about Hermione's jinx? Horrible trick or brilliant idea? I mean, I was torn about this for a second. Uh, first of all, I want to say that because Hermione did it, and I honestly think that she wouldn't have done such a thing, I think it's pretty badass. <laughs> Brilliant idea, yes, but also kind of like a fucked up trick. <laughs> I think the whole point was them not to know what would happen, but I also agree that if they did, they probably wouldn't have snitched. But also, you know, it's fucking magic. Like, how hard could it be? <laughs> it's not like you're going to be, you know, physically deformed for the rest of your life. And, you know, you have to go this horrible pain for extended period of time. I hope it wasn't like weeks or months she had to be stuck like that. <laughs> That'd be kind of extreme on the fucked up part. But either way, I think it's cool as hell. Like, that's Gryffindor slash Slytherin Hermione right there for you. <laughs> Good job. Hello, this is David. As far as Hermione's jinx, 
I think that it depends on the goal. If the goal is to keep people from telling and getting caught in the group and exposing the group, then I think that the consequence should have been known because whether you're a good person or a crappy person, if you knew there was going to be a big consequence, then you wouldn't do that behavior and then you wouldn't sneak or snitch. If the goal is to expose crappy people for being crappy and sneaks and snitches, then you wouldn't tell them the consequence and then those people who are crappy people in general are going to do what they're going to do and if that affects the group, then they suffer the consequences. So, but the fair trade, I think, would be like Katie said, to after they signed, say, oh, by the way, you made this promise. And so to ensure that nobody tells on us, then we have this consequence. I think that would have been fair. But yeah, if it's just about not having people snitch, then tell them. If not, then let the consequences fall as they may to the crappy people. You know, but we get the idea that she's going to be that way no matter what because her mom was kind of that way, and it would take a lot for that to change. All right. Bye. Hi. This is Kendra. I'm calling in my Potter pondering on what my thoughts are regarding Hermione's jinx on the parchment. I actually think it's a brilliant idea. I think it was also very Slytherin of her. But I honestly agree with Katie when she said that she should have told them after the fact, like not before, but after. Because if you think about it, that could have prevented, you know, the whole thing that happened. If Marietta knew, I really doubt she would have told. Now, that doesn't make her a better person because it held her in check. But isn't the whole point, like, we don't want everybody to know? I mean, it's so great. They found out who it was, and now she has this punishment for however long. But, I mean, now they don't have their meetings anymore. So, to me, it would have been smarter if she told them, you know, and doesn't matter if they got mad, it's too late, they signed, and now they're stuck to it, and they've had a much longer DA existence. But I also don't really hate Marietta. I know I've seen and I know what can happen when people are in fear and they're scared of things and they can make mistakes and stuff, but I sure would never be friends with someone who did that after the fact because I consider loyalty in a friendship to be very important. So it is surprising when Cho defends her, but that's obviously Cho and not me, so hey. Here are my thoughts. Bye. Thank you so much for your responses. Mm-hmm. Our trivia question last week was, in Snape's memory, what was question 10 on the Defense Against the Dark Arts OWL? The question was, give five signs that identify the werewolf. Okay, so not technically a question, but... No. You get the idea, though. You do have to put an answer down, so... Yeah, True. Anyway, congratulations goes to Megan Slater. Woohoo! It actually posted sort of correctly this time. I think it was a couple minutes late because I remember it being eight and just going, where is it? Where is it? Okay, it's there. <laughs> and then Megan posted, cutting off Mike's streak. And here we are. Yeah. Will it be a new streak or is Mike coming back? Mm, we shall see. For now, let's dive into the second half of Chapter 28, Snape's Worst Memory, and the mostly corresponding film scenes. Chapter 28, Snape's Worst Memory, Part 2 Harry arrives at Snape's office and is immediately called out for being late. Harry doesn't say anything, instead just looking at Snape as he removes some thoughts from his head and places them in Dumbledore's pensive. When he turns to look at Harry, he asks if he's been practicing, and Harry refuses to make eye contact as he lies and says he has. 
Snape tells him they will soon find out and instructs him to get his wand out. Harry gets into position, his heart pounding with anger at Cho and the anxiety of what Snape was about to extract from his mind. Before they can start, however, the office door bangs open and Draco Malfoy runs in before stopping in surprise at the sight of Snape and Harry. He apologizes to Professor Snape, who lowers his wand and explains that Potter is there for some remedial potions. Harry's face burns as he sees the gleeful look on Malfoy's face, but Snape simply asks what he needs. Malfoy explains that Professor Umbridge needs help with Montague because they found him jammed inside a toilet on the fourth floor. Snape wants to know how he got there, but Malfoy says he isn't sure since Montague is a bit confused. Snape moves towards the door, telling Harry they will continue his lesson the next evening and sweeps from his office as Malfoy makes a point to mouth remedial potions at Harry, then follows his professor. Harry is seething and returns his wand to his robes. He starts to leave, relieved that he at least gets one more day to practice, but is then distracted by a shimmering light on the doorframe. It reminds him of the lights he saw in his dream the night before, and he turns to look for the source. It's coming from the pensive sitting on Snape's desk, and Harry's curiosity takes over as he steps towards the desk, wondering what Snape wants to hide from him. He glances over his shoulder, not knowing how long Snape will be helping Montague, but decides that he will likely want to accompany him to the hospital wing and pulls out his wand again to prod the content surface. The silvery stuff begins to swirl, and Harry looks down in it to see what appears to be the Great Hall. Though he knows it is insane, he takes a deep breath and submerges his face. The office lurches and he tips headfirst into the pensive, falling through cold blackness and finding himself standing in the Great Hall. It is filled with more than a hundred small tables, occupied by students scribbling on parchment, clearly taking an exam. Harry looks around for Snape, knowing he has to be there somewhere since it is his memory, and finds him at a table right behind him. Teenage Snape is very pale, with greasy, lank hair. His nose is barely half an inch from the parchment as he writes. Harry moves behind him to read the heading on the paper and sees that it's the Defense Against the Dark Arts Ordinary Wizarding Level, making Snape approximately the same age as Harry. A voice announces that they have five more minutes and Harry jumps and turns, seeing the top of Professor Flitwick's head moving between desks, walking past a boy with very untidy black hair. Harry quickly moves towards the boy and stops in front of the desk to gaze down at his 15-year-old father. It's like looking at himself with deliberate mistakes. James has hazel eyes, his nose is slightly longer, and there's no scar, though they otherwise have the same face, mouth, and eyebrows, along with the hair that sticks up at the back. James yawns, rumples his hair to make it even messier, then glances at Flitwick before looking back and grinning at a boy four seats behind him. Harry feels another shock of excitement to see a teenage Sirius, and not far over is Remus Lupin, looking rather pale and peaky but very absorbed in his exam. Knowing that Wormtail must be around somewhere too, Harry looks for him and spots him chewing on his fingernails and occasionally looking hopefully at his neighbor's paper. 
After staring at him for a moment, Harry looks back at James and sees him tracing the letters L-E on a scrap of parchment. When Flitwick calls for Quills to be put down and collects their parchments via Accio, they zoom at him so quickly it knocks him over. A couple of students help him back up and Flitwick thanks them before dismissing everyone. James crosses out the L-E and shoves his stuff into his bag that he slings over his back as he stands and waits for Sirius. Harry looks towards Snape, who is moving between tables towards the door, still engrossed in his examination paper, and Harry manages to keep him in sight as he strains to listen to James and his friends talk as they exit the Great Hall. Sirius asks Lupin how he liked question 10, and the latter claims that he loved it, reciting the question, give five signs that identify the werewolf. As they all joke about the question, Wormtail is the only one who doesn't laugh because he could only remember three, snout shape, pupils of the eyes, and the tufted tail. James asks him how thick he is because he runs round with a werewolf once a month, and Lupin reminds James to keep his voice down. Harry glances behind him again, relieved that Snape is still close by, since he's sure that if Snape goes a different direction, he won't be able to follow his father any further. Thankfully, he seems to be heading towards the lake just like James and his three friends, and Harry is able to keep a close watch on them. He hears Sirius say he thought that paper was a piece of cake, expecting to get an outstanding on it, and James agrees as he pulls a snitch out of his pocket and begins playing with it, as Wormtail watches in awe. They settle in the shade of the same beech tree that Harry, Ron, and Hermione like to work under, and Harry looks back at Snape again thrilled that he has also taken a seat in the grass in the shadow of a clump of nearby bushes. Lupin begins reading a book as Sirius watches the students milling around. James continues playing with the snitch with Wormtail as a captive audience, gasping and applauding with each catch. Though James seems to be enjoying the attention, after about five minutes Sirius tells him to put it away before Wormtail wets himself with excitement. Wormtail blushes, but James grins and agrees. Sirius then declares that he's bored and wishes it were a full moon, though Lupin darkly points out that he might, but they've still got transfiguration. He asks Sirius to test him and holds out his book, but Sirius just snorts and insists that he already knows it all. James then quietly tells Padfoot that he found something that will liven him up, and Sirius turns his head and says, Excellent, snivelous. Harry turns to see what they're looking at and realizes that their attention was drawn to Snape, who is now on his feet. James calls out to him, also calling him Snivellus, and Snape quickly drops his bag and reaches into his robes for his wand. Before he can do anything with it, James shouts Expelliarmus and sends Snape's wand flying through the air. Sirius laughs and James then casts Impedimenta, knocking Snape over mid-dive for his wand. Students all around are now watching, some apprehensively, some entertained, and as Snape lay panting on the ground, James and Sirius approach him as James sarcastically asks him how the exam went. Sirius comments on how Snape's nose was touching the parchment so they won't be able to read it with the grease marks all over it. Some of the onlookers laugh as Snape struggles to get up and tells James to wait. Sirius asks Snivelly what he's supposed to wait for, wondering if he's going to wipe his nose on them, 
and Snape responds with a string of swear words and hexes, which do nothing without his wand. James coldly tells him to wash out his mouth and cast Scourgeify, filling Snape's mouth with pink soap bubbles. Before they can do anything else, a girl's voice orders them to leave him alone. Harry looks at the girl and sees thick, dark red hair and startlingly green eyes and realizes it's his mother. James greets her, calling her Evans, but Lily simply repeats for them to leave Snape alone. She asks what he's done to them, and James responds that it's more the fact that he exists. More people laugh, though Lily just coldly tells him that he thinks he's funny, but he's really just an arrogant, bullying toe rag. She again tells him to leave him alone, and James quickly says that he will if she goes out with him. Lily tells him that she wouldn't go out with him if she had to choose between him and the giant squid. Sirius calls that bad luck, but they are distracted by Snape, who manages to get up and points his wand at James. With a flash of light, a gash appears on James's face, spattering blood on his robes. He whirls around, and in a second flash of light, Snape is hanging upside down in the air, his robes falling over his head to show skinny, pale legs and graying underpants. Some people in the crowd begin cheering as Sirius James and Wormtail laugh. Lily's face twitches for a second, but she still tells James to let him down. James agrees, jerking his wand upward and causing Snape to fall to the ground. He untangles himself from his robes and gets to his feet, but then Sirius hits him with Petrificus Totalis, and he falls over again, this time as rigid as a board. Lily pulls out her own wand and shouts for them to leave him alone. James and Sirius eye it warily as James earnestly tells her to not make him curse her. She orders him to take the curse off then, and he sighs and does, telling Snivellus that he's lucky Evans was there. Snape insists that he doesn't need help from filthy little mudbloods like her, and she blinks and coolly informs him that she won't bother in the future, also calling him Snivellus and telling him to wash his pants. James points his wand at Snape and roars for him to apologize to Evans. Lily rounds on him and tells him that she doesn't want him to make him apologize because he's just as bad. This actually seems to upset James, who insists he'd never call her a you-know-what, but Lily just lists off all the things that she finds extremely arrogant about him and tells him that he makes her sick before turning and hurrying away. James shouts after her, and when she doesn't look back, he turns to his friends and wonders what it is with her. Sirius says he'd say she thinks he's a bit conceited, and in his fury and another flash of light, James sends Snape back up in the air and asks who wants to see him take off Snivelly's pants. Harry never does find out if his father did remove Snape's pants, because a hand closes tight around his arm. He turns to see who has a hold of him and is horrified to see adult Snape standing beside him, white with rage. He asks if Harry is having fun, and the pair rise through the air back into Snape's office. Snape repeats his question, and Harry stammers out a no, trying to free his arm from Snape's grasp. The whole situation is terrifying. Snape is so angry, his face is white, lips are trembling, and teeth are bared as he comments on Harry's father being an amusing man and shakes Harry hard enough to cause his glasses to slip down his nose. 
Harry tries to protest, but Snape throws him away from himself. He lands on the floor as Snape directs him not to tell anyone what he saw. Harry gets up as he concurs that he won't, but Snape cuts him off to order him out of his office and tell him that he doesn't ever want to see him in there again. Harry runs for the door as a jar of dead cockroaches explodes over his head. He pulls it open and flies up the corridor, only stopping when he has three floors between him and the potions master. He leans against the wall, rubbing his bruised arm, and reflects on what he saw. He has no desire to return to the Gryffindor Tower early, or to tell Ron and Hermione about what happened. The worst part about it isn't being yelled at or having jars thrown at him, but rather that he knows exactly what it feels like to be humiliated in front of an audience. And judging from what he had just seen, his father was every bit as arrogant as Snape always said. The movie section jumps forward a bit this week to keep it lined up with the book chapter as much as possible, starting with the shot of Harry's father, James. It shifts to show 11-year-old Harry looking at his parents in the mirror of Erised as Snape walks up behind them and asks if he's feeling sentimental. The camera focuses on 11-year-old Harry's face as he looks at Snape, and then it transitions to 15-year-old Harry's face. He is sitting in a chair, struggling from the most recent round of occlumency and gasps out that the memory is private. Snape is standing above him, though across the office, as he plainly reminds him it isn't private to him or to the Dark Lord if he doesn't improve. He quickly crosses the room and leans over Harry, informing him that every memory he has access to can be used as a weapon against him, and that he won't last two seconds if he invades his mind. Snape then goes on to chide Harry, saying that he is just like his father, calling him lazy and arrogant. Harry stands and angrily tells him not to say a word about his father. Snape just ignores him and also calls him weak. Harry insists that he's not weak, and the potions master directs him to prove it by controlling his emotions and disciplining his mind. Harry steals himself, and Snape readies his wand, casting legilimens on Harry once again. Several memories, including the recent things that have been going on at Hogwarts, and a few about his bond with Sirius, flash by before Harry begs him to stop. Snape wants to know if that's what he calls control, but Harry just gasps that they've been at it for hours and he just needs to rest. Snape rushes towards him and reminds him that the Dark Lord isn't resting. He launches into a rant about how he and Black are two of a kind, both sentimental children complaining how unfair their lives have been. He points out that life isn't fair and again brings up Harry's father, informing him that he knew that and frequently saw to it. Harry interrupts him to insist that his father was a great man, and in response, Snape grabs him by the shoulder and shoves him back to the chair he had been using as he snarls that Harry's father was a swine. Snape raises his wand to again cast Legilimens, but Harry reacts instinctively and uses his own wand to cast Protego. The shield charm reflects Snape's own spell back at him, and the camera zooms in through Snape's eye to show pieces of memories depicting a lonely-looking teenage Snape walking through a Hogwarts corridor, then sitting against a wall, then a large tree by the lake. As Snape sits there reading, a group of students approach him, led by a teenage James Potter, who proceeds to pull his wand out and attack Snape, egged on by teenage Sirius. He disarms him and levitates him up in the air, and the onlookers laugh and jeer. Harry watches this memory in distress as he sees his father sneer and ask the crowd of chanting students who wants to see him take off Snively's trousers. As the adult Snape declares that to be enough, 
Harry collapses back into the chair before looking up at his teacher and standing again. Snape stalks towards him and grabs him by the collar as he informs him that his lessons are at an end. Harry tries to protest, but Snape just tells him to get out and releases him. He runs out of the office without looking back, only hesitating once he is outside where he stops between two columns to reflect on what he just saw. So, on the whole, the same things happen. Mm-hmm. But boy, does the movie really shorten it and take out a lot of details. I mean, that is its M.O. Yeah, they also change quite a few things, too. Also the M.O., yes. <laughs> so no surprises here. No, <laughs> not at all. They do actually start out in the same place, though that's more to do with how we split the chapter in the section. But, you know. But still ding. Woo! <laughs> I'm going to go with ding. Yeah. In both. Harry's in Snape's office. Mm -hmm. Specifically in the book, he is arriving at his office just in time for Snape to be like, you're late, because he stopped to talk with Cho on his way there. Sure. He stopped to fight with Cho on his way <laughs> there. Yeah, we all know what they were doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so not only is he late, he's also really riled up from that, and it's not going to go well mm -hmm. at all. But Snape has his back to him. Because he's pulling memories out of his head and he's putting the brain jizz into Dumbledore's pensive. Which is something that is definitely not in the movie. Yeah, they did not bother with the pensive for these at all. No, no brain jizz. This time. Well, yes. When Snape turns to look at Harry, his first question is, have you been practicing? Uh-huh. Yeah, Harry gives a super convincing yes. <laughs> while he's staring at the leg of Snape's table because he can't make eye contact with him. So I'm sure he totally fooled him there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Snape's completely a sap for that kind of shit. Oh, yeah, he, definitely. He falls for it every time. Or he just says, yeah, we're about to find out. Yeah. <laughs> he knows damn well. Yeah. Tells him to get his wand out. Harry does so, gets into his usual position. And like I said riled up from the fight with Cho, so his heart is pounding from that. He's also extremely anxious about how Snape is going to react when he realizes that he has not, in fact, been practicing. <laughs> and had the dream the night before that got him really far into the Department of Mysteries. So this is a cluster of about to be bad. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on right here. But saved by the VD2. How often do we get to say that? Never. 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 Yeah. This is a first. <laughs> we might get to say it again in like the seventh book or movie, but yeah. saved by the VD2, they are interrupted when Draco Malfoy comes running through the door, doesn't even really knock, just bangs open the door and stops dead when he sees Snape and Harry facing off. Yeah. He's like, holy, what the shit? Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> He apologizes, and Snape just lowers his wand and does what, of course, he has to do, but Malfoy cannot be this dumb, except apparently he's this dumb, because Snape tells him that Harry's there for some remedial potions, which is why they were facing off at each other with their wands up. What does that have to do with potions? Sure. Whatever. I feel like Malfoy's not going to question Snape. He didn't. He actually was thrilled to learn that Harry was there for remedial potions. And it's just like, oh, I had no idea. And Harry's pissed, of course. Yeah. Which I thought this kind of was common knowledge that Harry needed help with remedial potions. Just the DA knew. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. Never mind. I thought it was like a whole school kind no, of No, no, no. Okay. Only the DA and now Malfoy, and now which Malfoy. means, of course, the whole school is going to know soon. Exactly. Yes. But not right away because 
first he has to explain why he just burst into Snape's office, which has something to do with them finding Montague. Montague? Yes, as we learned in the previous episode, Mm -hmm. Fred and George shoved Montague into the vanishing cabinet before he could take points away from Gryffindor. The vanishing cabinet, you say? Yes, I say. (laughs) And he has, in fact, turned up jammed inside of a toilet on the fourth floor. I mean, no better place for a turd like Montague. Right? (laughs) Snape wants to know how he got there, but Malfoy doesn't really know because at this point, Montague is extremely confused, which I think is understandable. How good at conversating are you going to be if you are stuck in a toilet? Yeah, there's a lot of things going on there. Yeah. I'm not even sure how he survived this whole thing. No. (laughs) Magic, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Snape obviously moves for the door Mm -hmm. because this is somebody in his house and he's jammed in a toilet and he needs to do something to help. And he tells Harry that they'll continue their lesson the next evening, sweeps from his office. BD2 turns to Harry and mouths remedial potions at him. And then he follows Snape out, leaving Harry in the office, which you'd think Snape would know better. He might know better, but does he care? At this moment, I guess not. Yeah. (laughs) So this both sort of happens in the movie and also doesn't happen at all. Because duality. It does start with Occlumency lessons, but there's no Nazi von Douchebag II in this scene at all. Yeah. Instead, in another episode of What the Fuck Movie, we had to jump ahead once again to reach a corresponding scene to what we had in the book. Yeah. Disorder of the Phoenix. Yes. Not that Order of the Phoenix. (laughs) Anyway, we start up with a shot of meddling Marie Potter Sr., otherwise known as James Potter, before we see Icklebitty Harry looking at his dad and mom in the mirror of Erised, as we remember from Sorcerer's Stone. Or Philosopher's Mm -hmm. Stone, depending on which version you watched. That one too, yes. (laughs) Except this is different because Snape shows up to emotionally cock-block current Harry, asking if he's feeling some kind of way. Yes. Mm. We get another shot of Ickle Harry, but he's staring Mirror Snape down before we whoosh back to Snape's office where not as Ickle Harry is having a fine time doing a very loose impression of sitting as he rides the Occlumency struggle bus. He tries to tell Snape off for invading his mommy and daddy dream by saying it's private. Well, it is. It is. (laughs) Snape damn near busts out laughing and tells him the fuck it is. It sure as shit is in private to Voldemort, because that dick gives exactly zero fucks, and your mind turn-off skills are for absolute shit. I mean, they are. They really are. He stalks forward and invades Harry's personal bubble, because, I mean, really, he's already played hopscotch in his brain. What difference does physical proximity make now? Right. Right? Like, who cares? But he reminds Harry that all of his memories are apparently little bombs that could fuck shit up if Voldy is allowed to get his grubby little paws on them. He then goes for the low blow by not only insulting Harry, but James as well. Well, you know, low-hanging fruit. Indeed. Easy to grab. (laughs) Harry shoots up and tells him to fuck off, but Snape is on a goddamn roll and calls him a weak-ass bitch. Harry's all, nuh-uh, and Snape tells him to prove that shit because he looks pretty fucking weak from where he's standing. (laughs) Did you see you trying to sit in that chair? Harry tries to not be a weak-ass bitch. As Snape once again does the penetrating thing. But let's be honest, he's tired, he's angry, 
He is the very definition of a weak-ass bitch right now. Oh, textbook. If you looked it up in the dictionary, there is a picture of Harry trying to sit in a chair. Exactly. (laughs) We see some more memories about the hullabaloo at Hogwarts, followed by some sentimental dogfather stuff before we're back in Snape's office with Harry begging Snape to cut that shit out. Well, I mean, he's weak. He is weak, and he's stop it, please. Like, I don't blame him. Yeah. You know, especially because Snape makes his little jives every time he gets in there, too. Because he sees Harry and Sirius hugging, and he's like, I may vomit. (laughs) And it's just like, it's like so insult to injury at this point. He's not only breaking through the defenses that Harry doesn't even have, but he's also being a dick about it, too. Adding his own commentary. Exactly. Snape's all like, you suck. And Harry tries to argue that he's wiped the fuck out and he just needs a goddamn minute. But that was the wrong thing to say for sure. Because Snape sallies right up to him and reminds him that Voldy doesn't rest, so quit being a bitch. I mean, he's not wrong, but also if you wear him down to the point that he can't do anything, he's just making him easier prey for Voldy too. That's what I'm saying. Like, I get where Snape's coming from, but I don't think this is helping either. Oh, Not even a think. It's not helping. Mm Mm-hmm. Now he's going to go even harder, and he brings Sirius into his insults, calling them both whiny bitches. Oh, boo-hoo, life is so hard. No shit, assholes. Life sucks. Just ask your dad, Potter, because he made goddamn sure my life sucked. And Harry steps up in defense of his dad, and Snape is just like, sit the fuck back down, bitch. Your dad was a shitheel who constantly served up shit sandwiches, all right? Just facts. yeah. Not that Harry knows that yet. He gonna. He gonna. (laughs) In both the book and the movie, though, different setup because they never even actually started the lesson in the book since Malfoy interrupts it. Mm -hmm. I suppose we can still say ding since it is the same place and thing, even if executed differently. Ding for the thing. Right. Episode title. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) But because they set it up differently, this also leads to continuing differences, even though we do get similar information. If not abbreviated in the movie, because, you know, movie. Well, yeah. I think it does make sense that they had Snape bring up Harry's dad the way they did, since we are literally about to see that he wasn't lying, like we were saying. Mm -hmm. In both the book and movie... Just with the changed lead into it. Yeah. Honestly, and I'm sure not surprisingly, I like the book's version better. I think that's a general consensus. Yeah. It just makes more sense to the characters, the way that it happens in the book. Not to mention, like, you know more about everything going on. Yes. As opposed to just, like, random-ass snippet. Right. But in the book, Harry is pissed because now VD2 and soon to be all of Hogwarts is going to know that he is in remedial potions. Mm -hmm. Not pissed because Snape was insulting his father and Sirius and himself. No. But similar emotion. Yeah. So, ooh. Ding for being pissed. He does experience a slight bit of relief that he has another day to practice. Like, that's going to do him any good. Right. But, hey, at <laughs> least he didn't have to get caught red-handed right now. He starts to leave and gets completely distracted by something to meddle in because he's hairy. Mm-hmm. And there's this shimmering light on the doorframe that reminds him of the light he saw in his dream the previous night. So, naturally, he has to figure out what it's from. 
Well, yeah, he can't just let it go. Oh, no, he can't. That's stupid. He probably should, but he can't. Definitely should. Turns around and sees that it's coming from the pensive that's setting on Snape's desk. And then he does the smart thing and turns back around and leaves. Except he does not. (laughs) Yeah, that's not at all what he does. No, he actually (laughs) walks over to the desk and just metal Marie's himself right into a situation that was the stupidest thing he could have possibly done. I wonder how useful Harry is in a rainstorm. Because does he just see puddles and just shoves his face in? Yeah, probably not very useful. No. He does hesitate instead of just diving right in, though. I mean, that's something. Only long enough to wonder how long Snape will be before he does the (laughs) stupid thing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to wonder about whether or not he should do the stupid thing, but just like, hmm, how long before I get caught doing the stupid thing? Not should I not do this thing? (laughs) How much time can I do this thing? (laughs) He comes to the conclusion that surely since Snape is the head of Slytherin and Montague was in his house, he's going to help him out of the toilet and then escort him to the hospital wing, right? Sure, because that sounds like Snape. He's not going to like go get him out of the toilet and immediately come right back, is he? Does he not know Snape at all? Or... I think he was going to look for whatever made it the most likely it was okay for him to go into the pensive. Oh, yeah. Which he does. Mm -hmm. As though there was any question that he would. He does cautiously prod it with his wand first. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, that's what he did the first time he ever went into it. So it caused it to clear so he could see what he was looking into. But Mm -hmm. he is definitely really fucking curious about what it is that Snape so desperately wants to hide from him. Yeah, that did not happen at all in the movie. Yeah, they never had Snape bother to try to hide anything. Theoretically, the movie was probably like, well, he's Snape. He could just hide it through Occlumency because he can do Occlumency. I don't even know. Yeah. But... It kind of didn't bother me that they kept out the pensive. I don't want to say that it didn't bother me, but we'll get into my thoughts on it when we get to that point. Yeah, okay. So it's just, it's not that it bothered me because it still got the information out there. It's just the way that this happened was much more true to their characters and the movie really watered it down. That is very true. But like you said, he just goes and sticks his face in the puddle. Sure. And topples down into it. Like you do, yeah. Finds himself standing in the Great Hall while a whole bunch of kids are sitting at a bunch of small tables, scribbling on parchment, clearly taking an exam. Clearly. Also, like you do. Right. Harry knows that Snape has got to be there somewhere since it's his memory, so he kind of like turns around to look and he finds out that he's right behind him. Mm -hmm. And it is a teenage Snape who is very pale greasy lank hair and he is also of course bent over his parchment scribbling away his nose is barely half an inch from it how does a man not need glasses that's gotta that would ruin your eyes well i think he writes super tiny so that he can fit more stuff in so i think he just has to be close to do his little minuscule writing (laughs) still that'll fuck up your eyes but in the movie it's not harry's meddling that leads to seeing snape's memory Instead, Snape goes in for another mindfuck, but Harry, done with his shit, returns fire and casts Protego, which causes Snape's spell to rebound, and we are given a glimpse into the memory of teenage Snape. Emo is fucking all alone. Yeah, I guess it really isn't important to the plot that they're taking the exam in the memory. 
I like the fact that it clearly establishes they're the same approximate age as Harry is currently. That, and I just like the dialogue. There's that, too. <laughs> it's a funny little scene at first, until it becomes sad. Yeah. But at first, it's funny. It is. At first. Mm-hmm. Harry moves around behind Snape so that he can read the heading on the paper and finds out that it's the Defense Against the Dark Arts OWL. That's how we know that they're about the same age. Mm-hmm. And then a voice announces they have about five more minutes, which causes Harry to jump and turn. And then he sees the top of Professor Flitwick's head moving around between desks. Aww. Which, in the movies, Flitwick and Snape look like they're the same age. But clearly, Flitwick had been Snape's teacher. Well, yeah. So, interesting. Also, the first iteration of Flitwick looked much older. True. So, there's that. that. that yeah. True. Yeah, pre-glow-up Flitwick definitely look older than Snape. Yeah, but, true. You know, post-glow-up, pretty much same age. Yeah. So there was that. But is what it is. Yeah. We digress. What is even more exciting to Harry is he watches as Flitwick passes another boy who has very untidy black hair, sticks up in the back. That sounds like very hairy, hairy hair. It is very hairy, hairy hair. <laughs> At least it looks like At it. At least it looks like it, yeah. So he gets really excited and rushes his way over there. And thankfully, it's just a memory because he's basically like running through desks and people. Right. <laughs> I know that hair. Gets around to the front of the boy with the very hairy, hairy hair. Mm -hmm. And basically sees himself, but with obvious mistakes. Well, you know, Harry does have his mother's eyes. Yes. I don't, I don't know if you know that, but. I think I've heard it, you know, once or twice. It gets mentioned in passing. Yeah. Just like, kind of. you got to really pay attention. Yeah. You might miss it if you don't. Mm -hmm, definitely. And as you brought that up, yes, this version has hazel eyes. Oh. Not startlingly green ones. Oh. Green is a fresh pickled toad. Yes. Startlingly. Yes. His nose is also slightly longer. No scar. But their mouth is very similar. Their face shape is about the same. Eyebrows same mm -hmm. and then of course the very hairy hairy hair of is course. the same slightly different attitudes as well because james yawns and deliberately rumples up his hair to make it even messier and harry's constantly trying to smooth his down mm -hmm. but then james looks over at flitwick to make sure he's not looking at him and he turns around to smile at somebody so Harry turns to look too, and it is none other than teenage Sirius, who is extremely handsome and being checked out by a very hopeful looking girl, though Sirius is oblivious. Well, that sounds very serious. Right? Not serious as C R I O U S, no. but serious as in his personality. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite lighthearted. Yes. I'm picking up what you put down. You can do what I was saying. It's all good. And then not far over from the girl who is checking Sirius out is none other than teenage Remus Lupin, who still looks pretty pale and peaky, but also is very absorbed in his exam. So, And I would be the girl staring at him. So. Right. <laughs> Harry realizes that Wormtail must be around there somewhere, too. And I find this very interesting because in this entire chapter, it's James, it's Remus, it's serious, and then it's fucking Wormtail. They never once call him Peter. Mm -hmm. I feel like Harry just cannot associate him as a human being. Well, yeah. He's I mean, just the fucking rat. He met him as Scabbers. Right. And not to mention, he just looks more like a Wormtail. Yeah. He doesn't look like a Peter. Although that sounds gross, too. 
Wow. Anyway. Wow. He got like two names that both could mean dicks. And nobody saw the betrayal coming. I huh. think there was even more things that should have been pretty obvious about betrayal coming, but... Well, there's that too. If they're going to miss those, it seems fair that they named him Wormtail and his name was Peter. I'm just, yeah. But Harry does find him, chewing on his fingernails and occasionally trying to look off of his neighbor's paper. I say pretty par for the course. Yeah, like I said, obvious that this dude has some sketch about him. Oh, yeah. But Harry just sort of stares at him for a moment and then looks back over at James, who is now tracing the letters L-E on a scrap piece of parchment. And he finds himself wondering, who's L-E? Hmm, I wonder. It's a very interesting question. Yeah, to be fair, he probably doesn't know his mom's maiden name, but he's about to. Yeah. In the book, anyway. Yeah. Flitwick then calls for the quills to be put down and uses Akio to collect all of the parchments. But there's like hundreds of them. So they fly at him so quickly and he's so little that they just knock him over backwards. (laughs) And then some students jump up to help him up and he thanks them and then tells everyone they can leave. Which makes James cross out L-E on the parchment really quickly and then put everything back in his bag and start to walk off. But he stops to wait for Sirius to catch up to him. And Harry looks over at Snape who's also making his way between the tables and he's just like oh i want to keep following them please go the same way please go the same way and he's like walking between the two Mm -hmm. the group of his dad and his friends and snape trying to keep snape in sight but also trying to keep his dad in earshot yeah he wants the best of both worlds it's not even that it's snape's memory he has to stay with snape yes basically if they're not in snape's memory they don't exist right i got you So at this point, he hears Sirius ask Lupin how he liked question 10, (laughs) which made Lupin say, oh, I loved it. Give five signs that identify the werewolf. Which was our trivia question. It sure was. And then Lupin's just like, number one, he's sitting in my seat. Number two, (laughs) he's wearing my shirt. Number three, his name is Remus Lupin. (laughs) I love this so much. It gave such a sense of the dry humor that Remus has. Yeah. That we kind of don't really get. Barely. From adult Lupin no. because he's been through so much shit. Yeah. He's seen so much shit and life has, he has been had pretty fucking shit. A life. Yeah. But like he still has the spark of hope in his eye mm-hmm. and you know it hasn't been tamped out yet. And I just wanted this. Right? I wanted this so much. But then Buzzkill Wormtail fucks it up pretty quickly because he can't just go with the camaraderie. He has to actually express his concern that he could only remember three of the traits. The snout shape, the pupils of the eyes, and the tufted tail. And James is just like, how fucking stupid are you, Wormtail? You run around with a werewolf once a month. And Lupin's just like, dude, keep your voice down. We're not trying to announce this to the whole fucking school. Ixnay on the airwolf way. Exactly. Harry glances behind him again. Snape is still close by, and it seems like they are going in the same direction. So yay, Harry can keep following his daddy. Yay, I guess. And they all make their way down towards the lake, and he can hear Sirius say that he thought that paper was so easy. He's sure he got an outstanding on it, and James is just like, oh yeah. And then he pulls a snitch out of his pocket and begins playing with it as Wormtail just fucking applauds every time he makes a catch he's such a fucking jock he really is and what's interesting is because of this section in the book Mm -hmm. and the 
movie putting James as the seeker. I think this is why everybody thinks that James was the seeker. Yeah. I can understand that. Mm-hmm. I can seeker it. Nah, yeah. I don't like that. I, oh, I'm I, leaving it in. I, you made a pun. I hate, me. <laughs> I hate me right now. But anyway. Also, Wormtail's a fucking tryhard. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, they want to know where he got the snitch, and James just casually, like, nicked it because... We're starting to get an inkling of the type of person he is at this point. Yeah, I'm really starting to not like James. He's far too confident in his coolness, and it has the opposite effect. Yes. <laughs> but then they end up all settling underneath a beech tree, which is actually the beech tree that they've mentioned Harry, Ron, and Hermione settling under before to do their homework. Aww. So you know Harry's just got to be like, I'm just like my dad at this point, <laughs> happily. Right. He's <laughs> like all excited Oh, wait for it. Yeah. And Lupin <laughs> starts reading a book as James keeps playing with that snitch while Wormtail acts like an absolute idiot fawning over it. He has zero chill. Zero chill. And Harry doesn't understand why James is not like, dude, knock it off. Like, get a grip. Because <laughs> he likes it, He dude. does like it. And that's what Harry starts to get that impression is that James seems to be appreciating the attention he's getting from Wormtail. He likes having a fanboy. Yeah, he definitely does. And he probably eggs it on. And that's honestly probably why they kept him around so much. Oh, definitely. I he, mean, it wasn't for his brains. Yeah. It wasn't for his sense of humor. Because he didn't have either of those things. Clearly not. After about five minutes of this, though, it's Sirius who's finally like, dude, put that away before Wormtail wets himself. <laughs> Which causes Wormtail to blush. Yeah. Understandably. But James just grins and agrees, which gives Harry the impression that Sirius is the only person that he would stop showing off like that for. Well, because Sirius will call him on his shit. Yes. He trusts Sirius to call him on his shit. Unfortunately, Sirius is kind of a douche too. So yeah. there's that. But... Honestly, not as bad of a dick in mm -mm. this scene. No. But he definitely has moments. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> One of his moments that is being a little bit dickish is him declaring that he's bored and wishes that it was a full moon. And Lupin's just like, you might wish that. Yeah. Like, I don't want to turn into a werewolf. We still have transfiguration to get through. If you're really bored, you can test me. And he tries to offer him his book that he's been reading. And Sirius just says, I already know all of it. Do you? Lupin was just like, I asked you to test me, not yourself, <laughs> but whatever, dude. He actually doesn't get to say that because they are distracted when James notices something that'll liven Padfoot up and points over at something, which causes Sirius to look over and say, excellent, snivelous. And Harry turns to look, too, because at this point he has no idea what a snivelous is. Yeah. The fuck? And he turns only to see that Snape is right by them. And he had previously been sitting in the shade of a bush right near them. But at this point, he stood up. So now they've noticed him. Yeah. And it doesn't go well for him. Or Harry, for that matter. No. This is just all bad. Yeah. So James calls out to him, also referring to him as Snivellus, which causes Snape to quickly drop his bag and reach for his wand inside his robes. Because he knows what's coming. This is not the first time something like this has happened. Yeah, I was gonna. that feels well practiced. Yeah. And unfortunately, he is not fast enough because James shouts Expelliarmus before Snape can do anything. And his wand just goes flying through the air. 
Sirius laughs and James then casts Impedimenta, which throws Snape onto the ground because he's trying to get to his wand. So he's like mid-dive and it just ends up knocking him down. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, this has drawn enough attention to gather a bit of an audience. And there are some people watching apprehensively, but most of the people watching are enjoying this because it's pretty clear that Snape is not popular. Yeah. It doesn't take a genius to figure it out. James and Sirius walk up to him and James is just like, how'd the exam go, Snivellus? Snivellus? That's such a shit name. I mean, it's shitty. Kids need to have more imagination. That's all I'm saying. They did come up with it when they were 11. Yeah, well. And apparently it stuck. But James is like, how'd the exam go, Snivellus? And instead of letting Snape answer, Sirius answers for him saying... Did you see him? His nose was touching the parchment. They're not going to be able to read it. It's going to be covered with great grease marks. It's a dick thing to say. Like we said, kind of a dick. Kind of a douche. Snape responds with like a mix of swear words and hexes, but he doesn't really do anything because he doesn't have his wand. I say he doesn't have anything on him, so. And James responds to this by telling him to wash his mouth out and cast Scourgeify on him, which is the cleaning spell. And Snape's mouth literally fills with pink bubbles. Pink soap bubbles. That's just sad. It's ew. It's ew, and it's sad. And it's mean. Yeah. It's really shitty. Okay, so this is the part of this memory that I don't like. I like the whole part where they're talking about the test and... They're making jokes with each other. I don't like this. Yeah, I think Harry feels much the same way. Mm-hmm. Before this gets worse, a girl's voice calls out to leave him alone. Mm-hmm. And Harry turns to look at this girl, seeing some thick, dark red hair and startlingly green eyes, which I deliberately said earlier just to get to this part. <laughs> startlingly green eyes. Wait, so who is she? Harry's mother. <gasps> oh. They have the same eyes? Yes. Huh. Pay attention. (laughs) (laughs) But James greets her, calling her Evans. So now we know Lily Evans. Mm -hmm. But Lily is not amused and just repeats for them to leave Snape alone. What's he done to you? That's fair. But James does not have a good answer. He tells her that it's more the fact that he just exists, if you know what I mean. I hate that. Just leave him alone. Yeah. Unfortunately, the majority of the crowd finds that funny. It costs zero galleons to not be an ass. Yeah, but he likes the attention too much. Yeah, that is true. And he is getting it. Though Lily is just like, you think you're funny, but really you're just an arrogant bullying toe rag. An ass. Repeats, leave him alone. So James says, I will if you go out with me. Which, if that's why she goes out with him, do you really want that date? That's a pity date. That's not even, that's just some really bad game right there. That is zero game is that's what that really is. That's really bad. Like, this is the moment you're going to be an absolute arrogant bullying toe rag and think that's going to get you a date? He's basically trying to extort her to get a date. Exactly. It's emotional extortion. Yeah. I'm going to abuse your friend. At this point, they're still considered best friends. Mm-hmm. We don't know that yet, but yeah, James would. I'm going to abuse your friend and tell you that I'll stop if you go out with me. That's that is, really going to win her over. That is such a Disney villain line, oh too. Oh, my God. Like, you want to save your prince? 
then you must marry me. <laughs> like, that's such a fucking... Jafar. Dude. He's totally yes. Jafar in this moment. He is definitely Jafaring this. Yes. I think he's going a little too Jafar, to be honest, but... <laughs> and Lily does go pretty Jasmine on him. Yeah. Tells him that she wouldn't go out with him if she had to choose between him and the giant squid. Dig it. To be fair, the giant squid is very polite, so there's that. Also, all of those tentacles could be fun. I, <laughs> I've read some fanfics. Anyway, Sirius is just like, oh, bad luck prongs. But then they're distracted by Snape, who has managed to get to his feet and has pointed his wand at James. Mm-hmm. So you think, oh, Snape's about to get the upper hand. And he does get in one good shot. Yeah. Flash of light and a gash appears on James's face. Spatters blood all over his robes. Like he gets them. He gets one in. And that's a harsh one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Makes it count. Yeah. But following another flash of light, he is then hanging upside down in the air. His robes have fallen over his head. And because he's upside down, I imagine you can see basically everything. Yeah. The book just sort of focuses on the super skinny pale legs and the graying underpants. That's such a sad description. It really is. <laughs> like, it's just so ew. But you're just so sad for him. But you're still ew. Yeah. Oh. A lot of emotions going on with this scene. It's messed up. Mm-hmm. This is basically where the movie lines back up with the details of the book, albeit in an abbreviated sense. The majority of James's dickery isn't included in the movie, and Lily isn't there to stand up for Snape at all. Nope. Instead, we see Snape sitting by a tree reading as the marauders approach him, though we still don't know that they're called that because the movie was like, backstory? Nah. Nah. We don't need that. We see the teenage versions of James and Sirius calling out to Snape while James brandishes his wand in his direction. Snape is levitated and hung upside down as everyone around him chants even worse insults than Malfoy. Like, snivelous, greasy. That's just sad. What? <laughs> really? Well, you know. Oh, God, mob mentality is so stupid. Yeah. But Harry just looks on as his dad acts like a world-class prick. Spurred on by the crowd, he asks, who wants to see Snape get pantsed? Ugh. And I thought the cringe couldn't get any worse. It is very cringy. Why are you obsessed with taking someone's pants off? Really? Like, why are you going to literally expose him to everyone? Why do you want to see his junk, dude? Why? Putting their private bits on display against their will is fucking assault. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is fucking assault. Well, yeah. But like... <laughs> It that takes is it to just a different level. It a new level, yeah. Exactly. It's just so cringe, and it's just like, ugh. I feel the same secondhand cringe for this as I do for Malfoy with his shitty insults. Yeah. You know, this is worse than Malfoy. Though. Oh, I agree. So much worse than Malfoy, and it is definitely abbreviated from the book. Mm-hmm. Still cringe, but it yeah. is abbreviated cringe. <laughs> Though it does ultimately culminate in the same treatment of Snape. Yeah. Because you've got people in the crowd cheering. I don't know that they're necessarily doing the same lame insults. <laughs> they're just like, woo, yeah, go, treat Snape badly, yeah. yeah. 
that almost would have been an improvement <laughs> in the insults. <laughs> and then, of course, you've got Sirius, James, and Wormtail all laughing at the hanging upside down, graying underwear revealed Snape. Yes. They even mentioned that Lily's face twitches for a second like she might almost smile. Mm-hmm. So I have to assume that this might be a little bit funny to see. At least offhandedly. Yeah. Sure. I think that it's not funny. Yeah. In the same way as sometimes like someone trips and you're just like... <laughs> Yeah. But then you feel really bad. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, yeah. I hope they're okay. And I think that's what happened with Lily. But they definitely mentioned that her face twitches for a second. And then she immediately goes back into telling James to leave him alone, let him down. Yeah. And James is just like, okay, and jerks his wand upward. And because he's hanging upside down in the air, he just collapses down to the ground and falls in a tangled heap amongst his robes and has to get himself untangled before he can stand back up. The moment that he does, Sirius fucking hits him with Petrificus Totalis, and he falls back to the ground again. This time, he's stiff as a board. At this point, Lily pulls out her own wand and repeats her main line of the section. Leave him alone. Mm -hmm. James and Sirius both kind of eye it warily, so you know that she's good with that wand. Oh, yeah. Because they're taking this serious, but James is also just like, oh, Evans, don't make me curse you. Like he would. Uh, he probably would. He's well, kind of a douche. That is true. But she orders him to take the curse off, and he does. Mm-hmm. Sighing, telling Snivellus that he's lucky Evans was there. And you know what? That's exactly why he did it, because he knew that it's even more embarrassing. Yeah. That a girl saved him. And Snape is mortified. Mm-hmm. And I think it's understandable that he is mortified, but he does not have a good moment following this. No. Because his response is that he doesn't need help from a filthy little mudblood like her. But yeah. honestly, this is the worst thing that we see him do in this section. He was minding his own business and they attacked him. Yeah. And he is humiliated. And granted, like I said, we don't know it at the time, but this is his friend and he just called her a fucking mudblood. Yeah. It's shitty. It's super shitty, but... Think about the fact that you hurt the people you love the most when you're upset. Yeah. Like, I think it's very understandable that this was his reaction in this moment. I don't think that makes it okay. I think tensions were high. I also think that maybe in the back of his mind, he knew better than to insult James or Sirius or one of them because they would have just cursed him again. And then it's asked for. Exactly. Whereas he says it to Lily... She's more than likely not going to curse him. No, and she doesn't, but she does tell him that she's not going to bother in the future and advises him to wash his pants. I mean, that's good advice just in general, but yeah. She also calls him snivelous. So she's not happy no. that this happened, which is also understandable. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I think everyone involved here is just so fucking proud. Oh my gosh, so much so. James even then points his wand at Snape again and tells him to apologize to Evans, who's just like, I don't need you to make him apologize to me. You're just as bad as he is. Yeah, you suck too, just like, dude. What are you talking about? I'd never call you a you know what. And she's just like, no. But, but you're literally assaulting other people. You literally just tried to blackmail me into going out with you. You're not much better, bro. 
Specifically, she tells him that he's always messing up his hair because he thinks it looks cool if he looks like he just got off his broomstick. He's showing off with that stupid snitch and he's walking down the corridor hexing people just for fun. She tells him that his head is so big, she's surprised his broomstick can get off the ground. Oh. So she's going for it there. Yeah. Yeah. She then turns and walks away. Mm-hmm. Hurries away, actually. She's like, I'm fucking done with you. And James is just like, Evans, Evans. But she does not look back. So he turns to Sirius and he's just like, what is up with her? And Sirius is just like, reading between the lines, I'd say she thinks you're a bit conceited. Just a bit. I mean, at least he didn't do the usual thing of just bitches, right? <laughs> Am I right? I think that was implied. <laughs> But naturally, this realization just pisses James off. So he responds by sending Snape back up in the air and asking who wants to see him take off Snivelly's pants. And right there is about as ding as it gets. Pretty much, yep. Yeah. Then in the movie, Snape's shout of enough breaks through the memory and Harry plunges ass first back into the chair, Snape towering over him. Snape is pissed. He is pissed. He grabs Harry by the collar and gets ready to yeet him through the dungeon wall, but decides to just tell him to get the fuck out instead. So Harry pulls a Looney Tunes and just like leaves with a Harry-shaped cloud of dust in his wake. Yeah, pretty much. Half expecting the Harry-shaped hole in the door. Right, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) And yes, movie Snape is pissed, but it is nothing compared to book Snape. It rarely is. Because of the change in how the memory was introduced, the movie also had to change how Harry is pulled out of it. Mm -hmm. And this is what changes Snape's all over anger level towards Harry. In the book, Harry never does find out if his father removed Snape's pants, which is as it was in the movie as well. That is where Snape stopped it. Yeah. And it is also where Snape stops it in the book. However... Snape stops it in the book by returning to his office and discovering that Harry's in his fucking pensive. Yeah. Harry is in his fucking memory that he took out of his head so Harry couldn't get to it and Harry had to go and fucking meddle in it. Yeah. So he sticks his own face in the pensive and gets down in there with Harry and just grips his arm. When Harry turns to see who grabs his arm, because who the fuck else grabbed your arm, Harry? (laughs) But he turns to look and just sees the adult-shaped Snape standing next to him, vice-like grip on his arm, saying, having fun. And he wishes he would have worn his brown robes. Seriously. He pulls him out of the pensive, so Harry feels himself rising back through the air, landing in Snape's office. And Snape again, having fun? Was that enjoyable for you? You having a good time, are you? And Harry's just like, no, no, and trying to get his arm out of Snape's grasp, but he will not let go. And this is horrifying. Well, yeah. Snape's face is white. His lips are trembling. His teeth are bared. Mm -hmm. And then he makes a comment about Harry's father being an amusing man and then shakes him so hard, Harry's glasses slip down his nose. Yeah. I don't entirely blame Snape. I don't either. I mean, you can't manhandle a student like that, but no, I understand Snape's anger yeah. in this moment. Like Harry fucking meddled where he should not have meddled and got caught. He fucked around and he found out. Yeah. Legitimately. And as Harry's being shooken, he's trying to protest it, 
But Snape just literally throws him away from him. Probably more to protect Snape than to protect Harry at a certain point. Yeah. I'm going to throw you over there so I can't murder you as easily. Exactly. Not that he couldn't just get out his wand and Nevada Kedavra him if well, he needed true. to. But yeah. he knew better. As Harry lands on the floor in a heap, though, Snape's like, you will not tell anyone what you saw. And Harry's just like, no, no, of course I won't. But Snape is not even listening. He's too angry. So he just cuts him off and he's just like, get out of my office. I don't ever want to see you in here again. And Harry just like jumps up and runs for the door. Yep, Looney Tunes, cloud of dust, yeah. that whole thing, yeah. But before he can get the door open, a jar of dead cockroaches explodes above his head. So now Snape's throwing shit at him. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, if you're going to throw shit at people, dead cockroaches is a pretty good thing to throw when you're pissed <laughs> off. Because yeah. that's just nasty. He manages to get the door open and just flies out the door up the corridor and keeps on running until he has three floors between him and the super pissed off Snape. Then he kind of collapses against the wall and just pants and thinks over what he saw. Rubs his bruised arm because that's how hard Snape grabbed him. Mm -hmm. And thinks about how he does not want to go back to the Gryffindor Tower early and have Hermione immediately be like, why are you back early? And then him having to explain what he saw. Yeah, that's not a conversation he wants to have with them right now. Ever. No. He doesn't want to tell them about that because the worst part is... Not being yelled at or having jars thrown at him. He's kind of used to that with the Dursleys. Right. The worst part is that he knows what it feels like to be humiliated like that. Mm -hmm. With people looking on. Yeah. He knows exactly how Snape felt in that moment. And he just got pretty indisputable proof that his father is exactly as awful as Snape always said that he was. Yeah. Basically, going and telling Hermione and Ron about this now is like, he's got to face the truth out loud. Right now, he's facing it in his head. He doesn't want to face it out loud. Not yet. No, definitely not. But that's got to be tough. Yeah. And this is where the book chapter ends. So, yeah. Ends in the same basic points with Harry just yeeting out of the office. Mm -hmm. But Snape is way more pissed in the book oh yeah and i think that that makes sense for him to be more pissed in the book since harry actually invaded his privacy yeah in the movie it was just a hey i use protego and it it was almost accidental yeah it was accidental he was not intentionally trying to get into snape's mind he was trying to protect his own yeah whereas the book was literally him going hey snape's memories what are they about right what's he trying to hide from me yeah None of your fucking business, Harry, except he's Harry James meddling Marie Potter. So it was his fucking business in his mind. Exactly. And it's fucked up that Harry did that. Yeah. But it's also totally in line with what Harry does. <laughs> there is no way that he could have walked out of that office and not stuck his face in that pensive. I do believe the phrase is Harry gone Harry. Harry harried. He definitely harried. And then Snape snaped in response. Oh, Snape snupped. That's what, <laughs> that's what Snape did. There were quite a few new actors in this scene, but none of them really did anything or said anything. They were like crowd work. Yeah. Basically. Extras. Yeah. But we did see Alex Hopkins as young Snape, who he had some excellent facial features. Yeah. He looked very Snape-like. Mm-hmm. I wish that they had given him more to do, but this scene was so abbreviated. We didn't get to see much of his acting. Oh, yeah. He just had to sit there and look snapey. Yeah. Which he did. 
Or like claw at the camera too when yeah. they had him upside down. Yeah. He was very Snape-like. Yeah. He looked right for the role. He fit mm-hmm. the part. He did good. Definitely. More impressively, be- only because he had more to do, was Robbie Jarvis as teenage James. Yes. Who did in fact look sort of like Harry Potter. He did. He had very hairy hairy hair. He had movie very well, hairy yes. hair. <laughs> the glasses helped a ton. They did. The thing that impressed me the most about him, because, like we said before, they abbreviated this scene, so he didn't get to do and say as much, but he said every single bit of it from this chapter with that sneer alone. Yeah. Oh my god, I wanted to smack him in the face when he sneered like that. Yeah, he was cruising for a bruising, for sure. Yeah. That was an intense sneer. It was an intense sneer. And then just it very much conveyed everything that the book chapter had in it. It's really impressive. Yeah, I will say that much. That'll bring us to our Potter pondering, which is what are your thoughts about the changes from book to movie of how Harry sees Snape's worst memory? Mm -hmm. Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts or... Call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. That'll bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Claire Turner. She writes, I am from Vancouver in Canada. My house is Hufflepuff, my wand is silver lime wood with a unicorn hair core, 10 and 3 quarters inches, and quite bendy flexibility, and my Patronus is a red squirrel. Because I wasn't born until 1999, I don't remember when I first heard or read Harry Potter. I remember my cousin having the Gryffindor cloaks and getting the midnight book launch of the last book for us, and not being allowed to read the sixth book until I was in grade 3. I always had a hard time watching sad or even slightly scary moments in movies, and my dad wanted to protect me. But Harry Potter was always the exception. I read the books over and over. The last time I counted, I was in fourth grade, and I had read them all 14 times. I role-played with a childhood friend at her house. Her mom was Dobby, making us food. Her dad would be Snape, as he had a super low voice. I played as Ginny, who is my favorite character. She played as a dragon... And her little brother was Pigwidgeon. (laughs) Her mom eventually organized a Harry Potter-themed sleepaway camp for our Girl Guides group. We had potions classes, a sorting ceremony, and made our own wands. My family and friends have always been awesome when it came to fueling my love of the franchise. My brother's birthday present for me for the last four movies was the DVD. He didn't need to wrap them because I always knew what it was. He also gave me Harry Potter 1-4 through Seen It. But we don't play it much anymore, because it's a bit of a given that I'll win. But my mom plays with me to humor me sometimes. My aunt took me to Harry Potter World in Orlando in 2015, and it was my favorite trip I've ever been on. I got to do the wand-choosing ceremony because I was the oldest kid there, and seeing all the little secrets they put in was so much fun. I hope to go back soon with a friend of mine. My friends still find little trinkets for me and send me fanfiction, headcanons, or cool fan art. The first thing I did in quarantine was reread the books and do a movie marathon with my parents. Thanks so much for making this podcast. I've been looking for one like it for a while, so it was really nice to find yours. Thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Claire. Yes, thank you. You're adorable. 
or you can message it to us over social media. This week's trivia question is, what day and time is Harry expected in Professor McGonagall's office for career advice? The first one who responds with a correct answer in the code word hashtag adulting prep will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com to let us know you did and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at foxsakepod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at forfoxsakepodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to support us as a patron, you can sign up on patreon.com slash foxsakepod. $2 and up a month will get you some awesome perks like For Fox Sake swag, access to patron-only Facebook groups, chats, our Discord channel, virtual hangouts, and more. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated, even if it's just telling your Harry Potter friends about us. And if you don't have any Harry Potter friends, there's another reason to join our Patreon, because you will meet some of the best Harry Potter people ever. I mean, just the best people ever, really. There's that too. Period. End of sentence. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 29, career advice, and the film scenes that don't remotely correspond or fit in anywhere else. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. And in the meantime... Keep calm and hairy on! Oh, for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm.